Dive into real estate. What are you waiting for? Welcome to the Dive into Real Estate Investing for Newbies podcast, where you will learn some of the newest strategies and simple techniques to get into real estate investing. This podcast is about helping you take action and motivating you to dive into real estate for financial freedom. Now, your host, Cecil Rose. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Dive into Real Estate Investing for Newbies podcast. I have a special guest, uh, Matthew and Kevin. Um, I want them to introduce themselves so I don't don't mess it up, but they have their, their AKA names and uh, I'm just happy to have these guys on the show. They've been in real estate, I think, over 12 years, and um, I think y'all would be happy with what they have to uh, share today with the audience. So welcome, uh, Matthew, and welcome, Kevin. And uh, hey, just tell me how y'all got started and uh, where are y'all located in this part of the country? So, uh, so my name is Matthew, also the flipping landlord in Jeff. And, and I go by uh, the Property Prince on uh, YouTube and other places. And so we, like you said, we started about 12 years ago uh, in the Springfield, Massachusetts market. And uh, we've kind of been, you know, focusing mostly in residential property. Uh, a lot of, we started with like two families and three families. Yeah, fixing up a lot of distressed properties, um, taking a lot of homes that were, you know, boarded up and, and really run down in tough neighborhoods and getting them back. Right. Yep. Right. So uh, it looks like y'all do property management, too. Did y'all start off first doing, were y'all doing wholesaling first, uh, rehabbing, or what did y'all start off? Or was it everything? So, well, so we started with actually buying distressed property and fixing it up ourselves. And then we started renting it out. And as we were renting it out, we kind of, you know, we kind of kept growing. And, you know, when we got to like 50 units, we kind of had a little makeshift property management company already because we were kind of overseeing all those tenants and kept growing from there and building a management company just for ourselves around them. Absolutely. Yeah. It started by kind of just, you know, putting out fires. Uh, you know, we, we bought a property, rented it, and then we were doing just whatever you needed to do to keep the property going and service the tenants. And as we kept expanding, uh, you know, we, we started to have to actually put real systems in place or you're going to have to hire an actual management company. Right. Um, so we just basically developed a management team to manage our own properties. Basically, we were too cheap to hire a management company. Yeah, I guess that was a nice way of putting it. I don't know. <laughs> right, right, right. So did y'all always, did y'all know each other? Did y'all meet uh, from doing work together or previously worked together? Or? We actually went to college together. Yeah, you met at UMass. Okay. All right. What y'all majored in? Uh, mine was biology and business. Uh, communications. Okay. I majored in biology, too. I went to uh, college out here in Louisiana. <laughs> Um, We're also not having good use today, right? Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. Uh, so tell me, guys, um, as far as in y'all market, did y'all start off with uh, buying some, uh, did y'all invest in coaching or did y'all just, you know, get going on social media like a lot of people, see an infomercial and just be like, hey, I want to get into real estate? So I'll kind of jump in. So I actually started originally when I was 16 years old. I actually read, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, everyone says that. But uh, I read that and kind of bought a uh, two-family out in Pittsfield, Maps, and made all the mistakes I could have, you know, with that. Had a little business partner, and it didn't work out. And then uh, from there, I went and tried buying a four-family out in Michigan, and that failed horribly. 
And so then uh, Kevin and I kind of met in college and we kind of talked about doing something outside of it. And uh, we basically just kind of- He suckered me in. Yeah, he suckered me That's pretty, pretty much it. <laughs> uh, and we just kind of, without any training, we just went in, let's, we'll figure it out. Uh, so, you know, how to you know, hire contractors. I went out and got my GC license and my lead license and asbestos license. And yeah, we just, kind of, we just started kind of guns blazing. Just, you know, we jumped in with both feet and, uh, you know, did whatever it took and whatever we had to do nights, weekends, you know, early mornings, uh, having a regular job and then working before and after the regular job on the properties and management. Uh, you know, but a key thing that Matt didn't get a chance to get to yet was, um, you know, we were super uh, impressed with the other landowners, the other uh, property management companies, the other landlords in the area who didn't view us as competitors. Um, and that's probably the, the biggest thing that I keep stressing uh, in the industry is don't look at another management company, don't look at it as another landlord as being your competition. Look at them as being your colleague. Uh, we are all in a fight to have successful businesses in that fight we're in together, especially given the laws of the way they are in many, many states that are very tenant friendly. Um, we were super happy to see that some of the big shot landlords, the guys that own hundreds and hundreds of units, thousands of units, um, you know, would grab lunch with us and sit down and have a beer with us. Well, me, I guess. And, uh, you know, and would chat with us and, and give us any answers to any questions, you know, Hey, how can we do this better? What do you do for that? And open book. They would just tell us anything we, we would ever ask. Really, really cool. Yeah. Right, right. So do y'all have y'all real estate license or y'all just basically, uh, you told me you have your general contract with license and are you or one of y'all or both uh, have real estate license or no? So I actually did get license eventually. Uh, actually, it was about three years ago. Uh, I got my real estate license. I'm actually getting ready to take my broker's test. So I have my broker's license as well. Uh, but originally, no, none of us. We actually worked with an amazing realtor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mary Grace Stewart, she was fantastic. I mean, she was a bulldog. She went out to every <laughs> dilapidated property we went to with me, yeah. you know, prying off boards, getting in, whatever we had to do yeah. back when there was just so many boarded up properties all across Springfield, Holyoke, stuff like that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, okay. oh, yeah. Go ahead, Kevin. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, you don't really, as I think a lot of people know, you don't need to have state license to be successful in this kind of thing and you can wheel and deal without a license uh in ways that you can't maybe as a realtor um you know i, I just uh picked up the phone called somebody about a property uh, a few weeks ago and a week later you know we owned it uh, real, real easy to, to do a lot of this kind of stuff without having a license too so you know i don't i don't know that i would ever advise anybody that it's it's a critical thing that you can't run a business without yeah that's one thing i like to uh kind of expound on with my audience because uh, a lot of people they ask you do i do i need my real estate license to get in real estate and uh, technically you don't it can help it's always an advantage to have it but uh you don't technically have to have it to to get into real estate um are y'all doing any of this virtually uh since y'all set it up in your market seem like y'all got a good system set up uh well one two questions first what systems do y'all have in place? Obviously, it seems like y'all have a good system set up. And are y'all doing this virtually now or y'all going into other markets? So I'll speak a little bit. One of the first things that Kevin was saying that like when we talked to other landlords locally when we were first getting started, one of the key things that they told us to start off with is good property management software. 
So we actually uh, eventually. Yeah, we promptly we promptly ignored that. <laughs> that stuff's expensive, right? So but we eventually did. We did, and uh, so we actually used Rent Manager, uh, which has been awesome. And just having all your data in one place, and working with the different systems within Rent Manager to help expand and make your uh, business more efficient. So that's one of the key things that we've actually used. Uh, we also, when I when we say virtually, uh, mostly we're staying in our market in Western Mass and uh, Northern Connecticut. But we uh, do have we work virtually with like taking payments virtually. We do also have virtual tours with our, our rental units and stuff like that. As well as online reporting. Uh, honestly, we uh, didn't have an open rental office, a public accessible rental office or management office for, uh, wow. Most yeah, most of the time we've been in business. And, uh, you know, we're, we're actually sitting in our rental office or management office right now. And nobody comes here. I mean, we never have anybody come to the door. Maybe one, maybe three people a week. We don't need to. It's, everything's able to be handled. We have everything set up. And everyone's coached, most importantly, effectively trained and coached to utilize all the virtual options we offer. Right, right. How many uh, properties are you uh, managing right now? So we got up to owning ourselves about um, 500 rental units. And we also have a bunch of other, uh, another, we also flip houses as well. So we also had another 40 to 60 properties as well that were, you know, in stages of flipping. Different stages, of, yeah. yeah, but all owned, yeah. Yep. So all these are mixed properties. Is it uh, multi-family, single families, all together? Yeah, so we have everything from a single family home to a, well, we had a 17 unit building. We actually sold that one. We have another 16 unit building. So basically everything in between, so some twos. Some threes, some four units, and six unit buildings. Yeah, and there's there's pros and cons with all all of them. Right, right. So how has uh COVID nineteen has it affected y'all business? Are y'all picking up? Has it been uh, consistent or slowed down a little bit or what? Well, I, I mean, I think you know it's been pretty much business as usual uh, for us. I think it's up to people's personal and individual decisions on how they want to adjust their lifestyle um, given their perceptions of Corona. But, uh, you know, in terms of running a business, um, you know, really the only thing we found to be something that really, really changed a bit is uh, the ability that landlords have to, you know, resolve situations where their, their tenants are consuming their services and not paying them for their services. Um, it's just, you know, uh, something that, as you know, nationwide and at least state by state basis uh, has been shut down. So landlords don't have the ability to evict somebody who's not paying them, uh, which is just crazy. Uh, any other business would immediately kick somebody out that's been taking their, their product or service. Uh, we're the only business that can force to stay open and provide our services with no ability to collect on them. That's just insane if you ask me. But, uh, you know, the great thing is um, we work and have, have really coached up and trained up our tenants so, so well. And it really the key thing is having a landlord, being a landlord that your tenants understand is firm but fair and treats them with respect, but with fairness. And uh, we have been doing very, very well in terms of managing to keep co collections, you know, coming in. Um, a lot right. of our colleagues in the area have absolutely been, I mean, devastated and certainly been struggling with collections. Wow. Yeah, looking at the numbers wise, we really are only down about four to five percent in collections, which is phenomenal. Uh, we also have been helping our tenants. Uh, really, uh, there are some programs out there that they can actually help to get uh, back rent covered for them uh, in our area, at least. 
And so we, Kevin, has been uh, really pushing and you know, helping the tenants understand where they can go and how to uh, get access to this stuff. And I think the whole part is uh, being the squeaky wheel to get the grease. And that's what Kevin and uh, some of the systems we put in place, such as auto texting, auto emails, if they have a balance, stuff like that. So they're constantly a reminder, as well as, hey, did you, you know, apply for RAF? Did you apply for you know, cafeteria, whatever it might be? that you can get that those funds there to help you with your background. Yeah, right, right. It's a lot of, I mean, really stepping up the personal attention to each individual tenancy, which, you know, when you're looking at a volume of tenancies, that's tough to do. I mean, most people aren't, most places aren't equipped for that. But, I mean, that's always been something, you know, Matt and I have stumbled our way through almost every mistake a landlord can make throughout the years. And, uh, you know, one of the things that has kept us in business, it's not the best thing that's kept us alive and in business is, um, literally not, you know, being humble enough to, you know, to know and not, not being too, uh, too arrogant to think that you don't have to do everything that needs to get done. If there's something that needs to be done to uh, stay in business and achieve and keep paying our staff, we're absolutely going to do it. So that means if I have to go knock on a, a gang member's door uh, or a drug dealer's door and say, hey, you know, dude, you got to pay. You know, you, you have to figure this out. What can we do? If that means bringing a tablet with Wi-Fi to somebody's home and saying there is state money to help somebody in your situation all you need to do is click this link we've been telling you for months please click this link we need to pay our staff we need to pay our rent we need to pay uh, our mortgages rather you know we, we literally will do and have done throughout the years anything that's necessary uh you know there's no job unthinkable uh, for us to have to do um so we'll, we'll do it and keep going yeah i think it's good when you go that extra mile to uh to help your tenant um you know, I've been, I specialize in pre-foreclosing short sales and, um, of course, with the COVID-19, what it has created with these forbearances. And uh, and I've been coming across a lot of vacant houses. Then you have a lot of people who are, I, I wouldn't almost say they're taking advantage of the system, but they were already behind several months. And then with COVID-19, they're just kind of milking it until, you know, well, the moratorium is... Um, is is held up so I'm not gonna pay and you know you try to really give people information not for them to sell anything but just going an extra step like y'all y'all trying to give information help people hey this is what you need to do but we know that everybody's not gonna cooperate you know and that's just something that we we have to deal with but um so tell me as far as um are y'all doing like the bird method? How are y'all, are y'all refine y'all properties, buying them, refine? Cause it seems like y'all hold, y'all do a lot of buy and hold. Um, I know you say y'all do some flips. Are y'all doing more buy and hold now or the same um, um, as far as flips? Yeah, we started off, we actually did uh, the bird method essentially before the bird method was even actually coined. Uh, thank you, Brendan Turner. Uh, but, <laughs> Yeah, no, we actually uh, were buying property with cash. We fix it up, get it rented, and then we go to a bank and refinance it. And we just kept rolling that uh, to get to, you know, uh, the 500 units we had. Then as the market kind of shifted and we saw opportunity, we actually started selling off some of our units. And, you know, some of the units that kind of took more time weren't exactly the ideal units that we wanted to keep. And then we also started at the same time, started another company kind of, and teamed up with another investor who's been doing it for 30 plus years and basically wholesaling, wholesaling and uh, flipping houses with him. 
And so that's what we've been doing for the last three years. Uh, right now, you know, with the shift in the market again that we see coming, we're looking at possibly doing maybe another buy and hold opportunity in 2021 and start, you know, basically accumulating again. Right, right. Kevin, you want to ask something what that looked like? I didn't know if you were. No, I mean, he, he's exactly right. I mean, doing the, uh, doing that process is what allowed us to, you know, to roll a pretty big snowball, um, you know, and, and really keep going. Um, you know, it, I, I would definitely think that it's a pretty logical way to start off for pretty much anybody, um, you know, is to keep constantly finding a way and a path to keep moving forward. Right. Y'all have any uh, predictions coming up as far as how this market is going to shift? I know people are saying a lot about foreclosures, but I mean, a lot of things have actually is balancing out. Do y'all think it's going to be a lot of uh, pre-foreclosures 2021 or? So, I mean, nobody has a crystal ball. Right. <laughs> uh, but so one of the ways we actually acquired a lot of our assets uh, recently has been uh, the foreclosure market. And in mass, um, I'm not sure how the foreclosure bit are with you, but in mass, they're at every property. It doesn't have to go through the court, um, not judicial uh, foreclosure process. And so uh, about a year ago, prior to COVID, there was another case, the uh, Thompson case, that actually stopped all evictions in Massachusetts. So that backlog was just starting to unload mm. and COVID hit. Literally, it was February of this year, it started unloading, and then all of a sudden, COVID, and it's all stopped. So there's actually, in mass at least, there's this huge backlog of foreclosures. And Pre, Pre-COVID, that is. Pre-COVID. And, and then corona happens, and now, you know, we're really, really backed up here. So. Wow. And I'm talking to all the, and I'm friends with a lot of the auctioneers in Mass and Connecticut, and talking to them, and basically they're saying, yeah, what they're hearing from, like, Harmon Law, is all these big law firms, that you know work with all these large banks, they're saying yes. There's this massive backlog coming, and so they're they're predicting they're predicting unless of course the government steps in, which yeah. is a possibility. But at, in January, when all the moratorium stops for foreclosures, right, it's going to take about six weeks generally to process, and the banks are going to unload. There'll probably be also a lot of short sales and stuff like that that's going to start unloading on the market. Now, this could all change uh, because who knows, the government, you know, throws out another couple trillion dollars because it's, you know, free money everywhere. Uh, but who knows? It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen eventually. Just when is it hard to predict? Yeah, I mean, there hasn't been any, essentially, any relief going toward directly towards landlords who aren't getting paid. It, it, most of the relief has been maybe some postponement of, of mortgages. Um, Tenants, you know, have the ability, at least in our state, have the ability themselves to go out and um, apply for funds, and, and then that funds, funds can go to the landlord. Many of our tenants, like you pointed out, go behind beforehand. Uh, a lot of them are just complacent, and, and frankly, they they don't take action until things get really real. Uh, the sheriff is at the door. So a lot of landlords, and we have some high balance tenants, uh, but a lot of landlords are going to have a significant amount of high balance tenants, and they won't recover from this. And those properties are going to essentially go down. So unless relief goes directly towards owners um, at some point um, or the banks, you know, to get them to forgive some kind of mortgages or debts. Yeah, I, mean, I think we're looking at a huge problem. Well, on top of that, I mean, if you look at in, uh, there's some article released out of Washington, whatever, talking about just restaurants as a business in mass, uh, that about 40% of restaurants are not reopening, they're closing. Um, 
my landscaper, my personal house, he, he closed. The cleaning company I used closed. I mean, there's a lot of people I know, you know, small business, a lot of them are smaller businesses, you know, maybe have a couple employees, but they're closing. And now, so, you know, they're going to find a job. And then you also have two other, their employees who now have to find a job. So you're going to have this massive unemployment. And it's not like, you know, where it's just they're unemployed temporarily, the job's still there. These are, the jobs are gone. So they need to be recreated. That's going to take right. some time. I mean, and how much, you know, how many of those? I don't know, but that's going to be a big strain on the, you know, the economy. Right, right. So uh, the name of the show is Diving Real Estate for Newbies uh, Podcast. If you were new starting out looking back, what advice would you give to someone uh, wanting to get into real estate um, and just start? Why would you, you know, what, what nuggets would you give to them just starting out? Thank you, Matt. Just, uh, I'm going to have to rethink some of my answers. I was ready to just jump all over that one. Well, so the same advice that I was given, or we were both given early on, was uh, put in systems in place early on, even with your first two family. And good property management software, there's a lot of stuff out there. Look at different things, see what works for you. But I think that and having, you know, it's important to track everything and really understand what's going on with your property financially, as well as, in, you know, any maintenance and stuff like that, so that you can really have a good idea of if it's profitable or not. Yeah. I think that's good. I would say, you know, find somebody with experience in your area, your state, your, your, your location. Um, it, try to work on some kind of relationship where they can help mentor you a bit, so you have them to go to. Um, and then, like Matt said, set up systems and processes based on that and stick to that. I mean, know, know when you need to call an audible, and, and, but otherwise, you know, adhere as much as you can to a, to a direction. Don't make knee-jerk, you know, reactions and immediately change your business and pivot without really giving it real consideration. Um, stay the course, you know, pick a direction and, and work towards that. Um, otherwise, you're just going to ping-pong all over the place. Um, a couple down with that. When yeah. you're looking for a mentor, uh, often most areas have like a landlord association or something yep, like that. Absolutely. We actually had joined ours early on as well and became a, a member of the board uh, because, you know, there's a lot of people there and a lot of landlords come there so that you can actually learn from other landlords. That would be a good area to first start with to find people. Yeah. Uh, Bigger Pockets, I also signed up in there and met a lot of great people through Bigger Pockets. Uh, that you know going to the conferences as well as just kind of chatting online. So you know, one of the things I did uh, early on again, you know, we have a uh, yeah, we have a housing court. I don't know if everywhere has that type of a thing, but you have a regular court system and then you have a housing court system. And uh, I literally went and just you know, uh, it's it's open to the public. I just went and parked my butt there every Thursday, which was new new case day, new, new hearings. Mm -hmm. Right. And Thursday just sat and watched and listened, and uh, it was a little bit like watching a Jerry Springer show. Uh, you know, it was just you know, you see some of the the craziness, the the, the stories and and uh, positions that tenants will bring, the allegations tenants will bring in defense of their situation, and then you see some of the bizarre antics of some of the the mom and pop landlords, the undisciplined landlords. You know, they they turn off the water, they turn off the power, the heat to right. drive them on paying tenant out. And see the reactions of the judge. You see how a judge interprets situations and how they decide. Um, you know whether you like, you know, their decisions or not. At least it helps you get some insight in terms of the rules of the game and how the stuff works. So it helps you then, you know, uh, adopt the philosophy of like, look, 
if the judge was standing over my shoulder right now, would he approve of what I'm doing? Would he, you know, would he approve of this situation and how I'm handling it? Because it can go right in front of him <laughs> in an instant. Tenants have very quick right. access. Right. right. So um, that was something that I think was really, really key, and it helped us avoid a lot of uh, you know, legal issues early on. So what has been, I guess, just you can just share one, what has been one of y'all biggest challenges um, that y'all can just share? Um, since y'all been doing this, like one thing that y'all realize, hey, I'm, I'm sure it's a lot dealing with the tenants and 500 units, but y'all can just come up with one that has been one of y'all biggest challenges that y'all have been able to overcome. So, I mean, I guess from my standpoint, the biggest thing was uh, finding good, reliable employees and keeping them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of the hardest things. Uh, we have now about 25 employees. But I mean, we've gone through a lot of people and finding really good people and then, you know, making sure that you have a good workplace that you you retain those key employees because I can only do so much. And as we were growing, I mean, Kevin, you know, know, he was really helpful, but he, he, you know. uh, I don't let me fix anything. So we really need key people. I mean, and working the subs is great. But sometimes you really need employees, people you can count on uh, from a nine to five type of job and help go out there, you know, and also oversee the accounting and all the other aspects of the business was key. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I like to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not good at much. I, I obviously, I am, I'm good at some stuff, but uh, I like to surround myself with people that, that fill the roles um, that need to be filled, um, that are very good at it. And once they find good people, I want to keep them and keep them happy. I don't want them just to, to come to work because they have to, because they got to pay their bills. Uh, I want them to come to work because, you know, they enjoy where they work and they actually like it. I mean, sure. we, have a, we have a great office. I mean, we, you can't walk around here without tripping over a dog bed or a dog bowl or puppies around. Right, you know, right. Uh, we got a, you know, we got a gym. We've got all sorts of cool stuff going on here. And, uh, you know, people bumping, you know, popping in my office, blasting music. And, you know, we're, we have a, we do have a really fun work environment. Yeah. For, you know, for what it is, it's work. Hey, that's good. So is there any books y'all would like to share that y'all are reading now or uh, you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I'm sure a lot of us have read. <laughs> uh, there are there any other books that y'all are reading right now that y'all could uh, recommend to the audience? Well, I was going to say it's not a book, but uh, this may be a great opportunity for us to plug our YouTube channel. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're always trying to give out tips and advice. And, right, right. Um, and help people avoid, I mean, the many, many mistakes. I mean, we're not sitting here from a position of like, oh my God, we're better than everybody and we're super successful. We're still in business and we're happy to be because we've stumbled every which way uh, through this process and we're super happy to survive, you know, 12 years in this, in this industry. Uh, and if there's anything we can ever do to help people, you know, uh, have an easier path than we did, uh, we want it. We want to share that and help them. Well, actually, can y'all share what um, y'all handles, how people can get in contact with you, the YouTube channel, um, if they have any questions or free information content that y'all have out, you can yeah. share that. Yeah, we'd be happy to. And like I said, we, we really would welcome anybody that we can we can help and support. We want to. I mean, that's one of the things we really want to do. Uh, so I go by Property Prince and uh, our YouTube, and this is uh, Matt as the Flippin' Landlord Ninja. And, ninja. Uh, ninja. We have a uh, we have a YouTube channel that we just started getting up and running. It's called Two Guys Take on Real Estate. 
And wow. yeah, I, I also, I mean, people can uh, reach us also on our Facebook page, uh, Yellow Brick Management. Uh, so that's another way to reach us as well. But uh, I mean, as far as a book though, also uh, one of the ones I always go back to is uh, Richard Man in Babylon. I love that book and I reread it probably four or five times. Um, just in general principles on- um, Yeah, it's a good book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real good book. Uh, this is my one last question because I feel like I can ask y'all guys a lot of questions because uh, of course, y'all at a different level where I'm actually working to get. Do you all do a lot of creative financing for y'all uh, tenants or other landlords? Because I know you said that y'all um, kind of collaborate with other landlords. Do y'all take over their, possibly their clients or, you know, some type of creative financing? Are y'all doing that now? Y'all would just rather own everything, of course, I'm sure outright. So uh, creative finance, we have done like options to buy for some of our uh, tenants. We have, you know, where they uh, reside there and they bought an option to buy the property. Some of our single family homes are doing. We have done some different creative uh, forms of um, owner financing with uh, some people that bought property from us. But stuff that we buy for ourselves, typically we're buying cash. And then just you know later on refinancing with a local bank or something like that. Yeah, build a good bank relationship. That, that, that goes a long way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, look, guys, we are at the end of the show. I appreciate y'all taking y'all time out, y'all busy schedule. Uh, if y'all have anything else y'all want to share, I mean, y'all can go ahead. But um, like I said, I appreciate it. Of course, uh, y'all shared a lot of good nuggets. In this amount of time and i uh, hope the audience was listening and taking notes again thanks for being on the show guys thank you for listening to the dive into real estate investing for newbies podcast at dive into real estate for newbies.com 